Hey, what's going on, everybody? I, uh, I'm compelled to podcast today. I don't know why. I don't know where it's coming from. I'd say it's a biblical thing, you know, a God thing, except that uh, I'm just so furious about the whole process, just trying to get it all set up and stuff falling on the floor, and it's... I took 20 milligrams of... Not 20 milligrams, sorry. 10 milligrams of melatonin this evening, thinking that I would just be able to, you know, fall right asleep tonight, be pretty cool. And, yeah, here I am, you know, downstairs now, uh, doing a little podcasting. And not helping anybody, because here I'm thinking a podcast would be good, so that way I can be a little more in the moment, you know. Um, it's been kind of weighing on me. I haven't dropped one in a while. It's like one of those to-do items, you know, it gets you all agitated. You can't, you know, you don't have any peace. And so I'm laying in bed with the wife, and haven't seen her in a while. And it's deer season, so I've been out in the woods. And uh, my buddy shot a nice deer. And so I was on the phone with him for about half an hour, 40 minutes. So I took that out away from the evening. And so I finally got to bed with her, planning on sleeping in. But I know that tomorrow morning, you know, she really wants to be able to sleep in together. And we have our, our slow wake up, you know, drink the coffee, you know, make a little love, that kind of thing. And me meditating and then jumping into the podcast is going to throw that all off, right? She's going to get up. She's going to do her bathroom routine she's going to come downstairs and then the mornings all change like it's not the it's not the same kind of morning and I don't know I don't know how you guys all feel I don't know I I know there's a number of husbands that listen to the show um some some single men with kids who listen to the show and uh some women too so I don't know how it is for you guys but I just know that you know you try to put money in the bank you try to do the right thing. You try to put your partner ahead of yourself. And if I fail in that, which I, I have the last couple of mornings we've tried to pull this off, like it's going to beat me up, right? So maybe that's why I'm here. Uh, maybe this compulsion that I've been under the last couple of days is because somebody needs to listen to this. Maybe I'm, maybe there's somebody out there right now who's listening to the show for the very first time and they're like, who the fuck is this guy behind the microphone? Because he's insane. It doesn't make any sense at all. Um, but all I know is that my wife has pretty severe depression and uh, some PTSD, and so while I'm dropping stuff down here, and I all of a sudden I throw out a huge explicative, Jesus fucking Christ, you know, I got kind of this deep voice, you know, and I can really belt it out when I feel like it from real, it's the, uh, the old Marine Corps drill sergeant in me, you know, that was a career I thought I wanted to have for the longest time when I was a boy. It's not doing anybody any favors, you know what I'm saying, like, the adrenaline is probably pretty high up there right now, uh, uh, my dog, who is in the crate, is probably fucking shaking. And so, I don't know. And, and that explicative, of course, is using the Lord's name in vain, which is like one of the Ten Commandments or something. I can't remember. And so, maybe it's not a God thing. Uh, but I was listening to a podcast with Jordan Peterson, and he had on a philosopher and teacher, professor, college professor, who claimed that it's a very common idea of all matter in the universe being connected. And so, you know, if you're expressing love and the molecules are trembling in one place, then so too will they tremble somewhere else. And I guess it's the Russian, Russian mystics, he said, who have this old quote about how if you do a good deed in 100 years from now, 100 years from now somebody else will benefit. And if you do someone an evil deed, a hundred years from now, somebody takes a fall. So 
I don't know if the universe is talking to me to, to get on here and to talk to you. I don't know what is going on, but I'm just I'm just praying literally and figuratively that doing this is the right answer because I feel like I'm super spun up. I feel like I'm spinning other people up in my house. And so uh, so here I am. And I, I got some new equipment. I got this audio jack so that I could actually hear my own voice while I do this. And it's not working at all. <laughs> not one bit. So that, that sucks. But a couple days clean now, probably day four or whatever. I, I ended up taking a small edible on Sunday, and it was shitty. It was so fucking dumb because I had been grid searching like a madman. Hours, hours of grid searching. I probably did 10 miles of bushwhacking looking for these deer that I shot Saturday night. And so I killed myself Sunday. I mean, I was beat up my foot where I've had the stress fracture, aching, terrible. I'm tore up from thorns because I'm going through multiflora rose, which is an invasive species for those of you who don't know. It retains its leaves for a long time. So if you're looking through the woods and you see a thorny green plant that still has its leaves while everything else is dropped, that would be the multiflora rose. And it's just this wicked, wicked bush. And so I'm going through this creek bottom of six-foot-tall multiflora rose. And I'm going back and forth, like trying to walk through this stuff, looking for the biggest deer in my life that I shot right at closing time Saturday night. And unfortunately, I put a bad shot on it. I did everything wrong on this hunt in the sense that there were a lot of little details that I thought I could get away with or could overlook. And every single one of them came back to bite me. And in the moment, I was doing okay with it. I really was because I had just listened to a, a podcast. I listened to a sermon and the sermon was called King Me. The guy did okay. It was it was crazy. It's this black church. You can tell I'm not a black guy, right? I'm this fucking white, white Yankee. And it's one of those churches where, you know, you're talking and they're like, whoa, ah, you know, and they're all screaming in the background. They're clapping. Oh, preach it. You know, it was, it was cool. I liked it. It was fun. Uh, but it was the youth pastor, not nearly as good as the regular pastor. It was Elevation, Elevation Church. You can look it up, podcast that shit. I guess they're out in North Carolina. And I will say he, there was one line that stuck with me, and I, I don't know if I have it exact, but basically, and this is what I was telling myself while I'm out there, you know, trekking through all these thorns and, and realizing that I put a bad shot on the deer the night before. It was a little too dark. And it was like, God, why are you making me go through this? Right? That's what we say. God, why are you making me go through this? He's making you. Why is he making me go through this? He's making me. Right? Like, he's making me. And the guy just went there, and the audience, the congregation's going nuts, right? It's like powerful, powerful shit. And that has just stuck with me. It's like, why Jordan Peterson talks about how life is suffering, right? And we have to find a way. We have to accept responsibility. We need to find a purpose greater than ourselves. You know, we need to buy a house or get married or have a kid or or go on some moral mission and and that gives the suffering meaning. You know, now it's now instead of me, let's say I'm a bricklayer and I'm building a cathedral. So this just came up. I listened to another podcast with him and it's like so these, these people are building the old cathedrals years, you know, hundreds of years ago. Well, you got two of them, two bricklayers. You ask one of them, hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm trying to get this fucking wall built. You know, I'm trying to put this brick on here. And then you ask the other one, and the other one's smiling. And he, and he goes, 
Oh, I'm building a cathedral. And, and something that he's not even going to see because of how long the project will take. But yet he's happy, and the other guy's miserable. And part of it's having that end in sight, but it's just having the, it's having the purpose. It's having meaning. But I like this idea of it, of it making you. Right, like what? What is the purpose of suffering in life? Well, or why do we suffer? It's like, well, a grindstone without grit in it. How long does it take to sharpen an axe? And affairs without grit in them. How long does it take to make a man? And so, I was using that to give myself fuel. We're not sorry. My, I actually now all of a sudden my microphone worked, but only worked with the um, little melody that I put on the end of this podcast. So. I was using that as fuel to keep myself going, to keep myself in a good attitude. And I have not been beating myself up about what happened to this deer and me not being able to find this deer. I ended up jumping him, and I see him kind of gimping off, but I don't have my binoculars. So he gets to the crux, right? Does he go up into the hardwoods towards some cat, towards a pond that eventually has some cattails around it, and does he bed over there? Or does he veer off into the private land, or does he go into some, like, a, a whole different terrain feature, which is, like, tall marsh grass and willows. Well, at this time, I'm, I'm, I go back to the original, what, what I'm hoping is the original blood trail, but, of course, they had rained cats and dogs for 10 minutes, one hour after I arrived at the woods, and I'm praying to God, like, God, I want to find this deer. You know, help me. And then all of a sudden, two dudes come ripping over on their four-wheeler from the neighboring property. And why would I not say to them, hey, guys, can you go check out this corner of your your land and just see if you can jump this buck, see if he went over there or not for me so I know. But I'm Mr. Paranoid, like, ooh, you know, this is a really good spot. Like, I've been trying to hunt this spot for years, never really pulled it off and, you know, never really did it. But but then I finally figured it out, made it happen, you know, saw a giant buck. And so I just say, oh, you know, I'm searching for a deer, guys. I, I haven't been able to find it yet. It's, it's like so dumb. They own the land right next to it. Like nobody's in there hunting in the thorns. I'm the only dumb fuck that's pulling that off. And they're shooting the deer as they just walk onto their nice grassy field right next to it. Like they're piece of cake. And I'm sure they've shot many big deer. Like this, this definitely has all the appearances of a historical site. I jumped two other bucks while I was there. They were, they were younger deer, but you know, the point is there are a lot of bucks piled in there. So. I don't know what to do about it. I, I might go tomorrow and, and try to find this deer um, just just to have some closure on the situation. But wife and I are headed to Fleet Feet. We both had stress fractures, and uh, we got to do something about our, our apparel now, our footwear. It's time to out with the old and in with the new. You know, it's, 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 Hopefully they got something wide enough because uh, we've both been working on our feet and, and both of our feet. She got some cool spacers for her toes, and you guys know I've been working the – mobile board in the past and just wearing wider shoes in general walking around barefoot as much as possible so my feet are pretty wide right now and and hopefully they got something if they don't i'm not going to force it if they don't have anything we're not going to buy it and we'll go to dick sporting goods or something Uh, i don't know but it's a funny story there's this really really hot chick when i was in like ninth grade she was a senior in the cross country team you know and so i'm looking up to all these older guys right they're all you know, they're cool, they got facial hair and all this stuff, and I hit puberty kind of late, it was like the end of eighth grade, and I'm definitely not a hairy guy, you know, blue-eyed, white Irish man, and <laughs> they were telling a story, 
And I'll just never forget it, right? Because you're young. I might not even been. I think I was probably in eighth grade, actually. I was not in ninth grade. No way. I wasn't varsity. <laughs> this guy who looks like a grown man, he's telling a story about how in class, <laughs> the girl, they, they're talking about uh, going to the sporting goods store. And the girl's like, dicks? I love dicks. <laughs> and she just says it, like, really loud. And anyway, of course, it's, it's a guy thing. They all laughed. You ladies are all rolling your eyes. Um, sorry about that. But I, I did open up the word because I had put a little place marker in there the other day. And this is something else that's been weighing on me because turns out my aunt is smoking a lot of weed. And she's smoking weed with her husband. Both of them are alcoholics. They met in AA. Uh, both of them used to smoke weed. And I don't know why they stopped. I, I think she stopped along with the booze just for, like, complete sobriety's sake. And probably his was the same story. But, you know, they're older folks, and weed was a lot different back then. And I had said to her, instead of the pharmaceuticals for your depression, you know, have you considered, you know, doing some Mary Jane? And I had just come on this, what I called unicorn bud, that made me so happy when I smoked it. I had never smoked something that made me as happy as this bud. And, of course, we didn't know what it was because my dumbass friend who did the grow got the bags all mixed up and just basically put seeds in the ground and what sprouted sprouted and you just smoked it. So never know. We'll never know what that strain was. But I don't know if I was a bad influence on her, right? Because she had been sober for so long. And I just mentioned it. I didn't push it on her or anything, but she knew that I had been on and off with my struggles with weed. And now they're smoking all the time. You know, and her husband is, you know, he's rolling crazy Jay's tulips. Uh, there's a fucking old school term for you. I don't even know what the fuck it is, but it's some fancy form of a J. And she, I think her skin is green. Like I, 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 when I was, before I smoked, I could always tell who the smokers were. Not because of their eyes, but because their skin tone. It was literally kind of greenish gray, right? Like you knew who the smokers were. And I saw her the other day as I was helping my sister move I rented the big box truck, praise the Lord I did, because there's no way we would have fit all that stuff in people's pickup trucks. Not a chance, right? So I get this 20-foot box truck. And I see my aunt, she pulls me out into the garden. She's like, hey, I want to talk to you before you go, because i am I got to get to the woods, right? I'm going to go try to shoot this big buck. She's like, hey, how do you how do you make an edible? And I totally forgot about the decarboxylating bit, right? Like, you can't just throw weed in the butter and cook it, and you can't just throw it in the crock pot with the oil, you got to grind that shit up, put it in the oven at like 225 or like 175. I can't remember. It's something low. Uh, go to growweedeasy.com if you're trying to figure that out. But, uh, you know, I don't recommend it. <laughs> Stay off drugs. Drugs are bad. Anyway, you know, I tell her what's up with the butter. You know, put the butter in the boiling water and then put the weed in there and uh, let that all fucking cook for like an hour. Or, you know, my preferred method now put that weed in with the coconut oil and put it in the crock pot on low overnight and uh you know you're in like flynn get the cheesecloth strain that out and she's like oh okay hmm but i tried talking to her about terpenes i tried talking to her about individual strains and it was all greek right and for some reason she i don't know she doesn't seem to be pursuing it like i sent her a text later that was had more detail in it but at this point they're just using it recreationally the marijuana because she said her anxiety is actually getting worse. I said, is it helping your anxiety? She's like, eh, it seems to have the opposite effect. And I said, yeah, that's, that's what the Andrew Huberman podcast said. That's what, I've, that's what I've heard in the long run is that weed just tends to make it worse. Now, weed is kind of a ubiquitous term, 
right? It's not perhaps the most accurate way to describe it. With all the different strains and all the different terpene combinations, I do believe that there are that one could use cannabis to counteract anxiety and depression. I don't, I don't have any doubt that that's possible. But just smoking the random shit people give you, your hippie friends, um, that's not the way to do it. Like, you need to... And, and she's getting too stoned, right? She's not just taking one hit. She's taking, like, three or four hits, like the old days, five hits. And then she's just stoned. The only way I've ever experienced the nuances of different strains is by taking small doses, you know, like a half a hit, like a half a rip. And then I can really, it's very easy for me to distinguish between the different kinds of bud and their impact on my psyche and on my body. But as soon as I'm taking like two good tokes, it's like, no, no, everything's just kind of greening out. I mean, you still notice it, right? Like a pure sativa, of course, or a very heavy indica, like... Obviously, those effects are, are apparent, but the almost what I describe as like the colors, like the colors of weed, not literally, you can't think about that literally. I'm doing this whole podcast with my eyes closed, right, because I took this melatonin. Uh, even though I have my blue light glasses on, I still have the lamp open. So, But it's almost like the colors. It's like the flavor of the bud, but not literally the flavor. It's, it's just what gives it its unique fingerprint, that particular strain, but they're not documenting it. They're not modulating their doses and and this dude has got a ton of debt he's a charter captain he's you know catching salmon all the time and and he and his business is growing right he's also a contractor but he was doing all that sober like i remember having conversations with him and he's like man back when i was drinking like this never would have happened this would have been impossible like i was ruining my life and now look what i have like i'm so happy and now he's smoking, and we all know we're, you're listening to this podcast because you know weed is bad for you, right? Or your social worker, that social worker from New Zealand or whatever who had emailed me. Um, you're listening to this podcast because you know THC ultimately is bringing you down. And, you know, for some people, that, that's, a, that's, that's candy, right? Like, ultimately, when I eat candy, it brings me down. Okay, ultimately, when I drink alcohol, it brings me down. Like, ultimately, but that's why we're here. And I, I'm nervous for them. I'm genuinely concerned because of the amotivational syndrome, right, that you get from weed, that lack of drive, that apathy, oh, it's fine, oh, I'm going to let that slide, oh, that's not a big deal. Like, you can't have that kind of mentality if you're a charter captain or a contractor. Like, you have got to be dialed in. You make mistakes. And you certainly can't do it if you got, like, three, four, five different projects going on, different income streams. It's not a good idea. The other piece of this... And I may have talked about it last podcast, so I apologize. I can't remember. But one of my old homeboys that I broke off of because of his conduct towards his wife and his son, you know, cheating on his wife, not taking care of his son. Uh, I had went to visit them, or visit the wife at least, and the kid. And he came to the house, and I had a little bud. I was like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm a smoke. I, I don't even think I offered it to him, but maybe I did, right, because that would be rude. He's like, no, no, man, I'm good. I, I'm not really using it too much anymore. I got some really low potency stuff. And he had just gotten a job as an assistant manager at a big big state, big store, you know, making $52,000 a year. It's cool. After 10 years of being a nobody there, he, through, my, through my urging, quite frankly, he finally seized the bull by the horns and, and moved up a little bit. And then the next time I talked to him, he's – doing dabs of live rosin 
$250 worth of THC in like three days. You know, and, and they don't have that kind of money, not even close. And he's not a manager anymore. Uh, he either stepped down. I, I don't know the specifics behind it. I, I, it was like falling apart, and he asked to leave. It was too much stress. Oh, he got diagnosed with lymphoma. Boo-hoo. But he had been diagnosed with lymphoma when I had been there last. I'm almost 99% certain. So it's like, don't give me that shit. And uh, yeah, so and then he went part time at that store, and now he's he's not even working at that store. Now he's working at uh, like a plant down the road, like some some farm, some dairy operation, you know, twelve hour shifts. And it's just like, you know, you wonder, you wonder what the fuck influence you had on these other people, because there's the ripple effect. We talked about it. Like everything's connected, matters connected, the energy's connected. Like. If you're having a bad day and you talk to somebody else, now they're having a bad day, right? Like when somebody in your life who's your friend or who's significant to you is around you, if they're stoked, like it changes you. And if they are down in the dumps, like it changes you. We have an influence on each other. Butterfly flaps its wings, right? That's that old, that old phrase. So I just, I don't know what brought me here tonight. I don't know why I'm here. But if you are on the fence or if you're having trouble quitting this shit, you just, you got to ask yourself, like, what are you doing? Like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, why are you spending the money? And if it's not a money thing, why are you investing the time? And if it's not a time thing, then why are you crippling your health? And if it's not about your, your lungs, then you're vaping or you're eating. It's like, well, then why... Are you dumbing yourself down? Why are you killing all those brain cells? Why are you crushing your testosterone? Why are you negatively impacting your speech? Why are you trying to hide from the realities of life? Because don't give me that shit, right? Like, it's nice to turn it off, man. Like, I like that. I like being able to turn it off. And I like to be able to contemplate things in a way that I would not otherwise do so when sober, right? Like, you kind of throw off the shackles, that society has been putting on us, you know, ever since we were little kids, right? Like, you know, there's a box that they've been fucking, and it's a coffin that they've been nailing around us ever since we were born. And by smoking weed or by tripping on shrooms or something, like, we get a chance to step outside that box. I'm not saying that's not a real thing. But what I am saying is the people listening to this podcast, and myself included, we don't have the kind of tendency to be able to smoke a blunt experience the miracles of the universe and then walk away for six months like that's not how it works it's not how it fucking works and if you're somebody who's new and this is your first time quitting well i've got a whole inbox full of people who have they all say the same thing this is my 100th time quitting this is my 50th time quitting this is my 150th time quitting so don't think you're somebody special don't think you're somebody that you're not we're all the same and I, I, you know, I always say, oh, we're all in this together. Like, and that's true. That's true. We are. But what's crazy about this and this piece of, of your friends and, and how you're influencing other people, it can be for the good. I've been texting my homeboy whose dad died over the summer. I've been trying to get him out of his funk, right? He's depressed. He's, he's doing the same shit at this new school he did at his old school that made him lose his job. He's showing up late, showing up late, not being prepared. You know, waiting for somebody to, to pull up, you know, to see the man behind the curtain, so to speak, right? Like, 
catch him with his pants down because he, he's a fucking mess, not carrying his weight at the house. Well, we have all these talks, and he's like, yeah, I know, I know. I write him a letter. Like, I, I do all this shit. And then finally, it's like, it's, I just got to be about me for a little bit, right? Because I'm, I'm struggling too. The start of the school year was rough for me, real rough. And then I got depressed a couple of weeks ago. I was consuming too much news, too much media, and uh, too much Twitter, right? Like seeing all this crazy fucking bullshit from these woke-ass people who never worked a day in their life, don't live in the planet reality, and who don't understand men, quite frankly, right? Like you can't listen. I don't, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. I'm not going to go there. I'm just telling you that men are dogs, all right? I'm telling you that men are dogs. <clears throat> so anyway, work's, work's been kind of tough. I had some tough kids and kind of dropped the ball. I just lose sight because they push the curriculum so hard. They, they push the, you just feel this pressure. And this year, I wouldn't say my boss per se pushed the curriculum, but it's like a cultural thing, right? Like, like oh, I got to well, teach this lesson and then tomorrow I got to do the next lesson. Oh, we got to focus on math. Oh, that's not, oh, we can't talk about your feelings right now. We, like, we got we to gotta learn. Like, we, we got to do and so I got all spun up on that. Instead of teaching things like, how do we walk in line? How do we get a paper towel? How do we go to the bathroom? How do we get our mail? How do we sit on the rug? How do we share? How do we solve a problem? How do I put my chair on my desk? How do I, line, how do I walk in the hallway? How do I get my milk and my lunch tray at the same time? Like These are things that when you're a kindergarten teacher, like you must do. And if you don't, you pay the price because now not only are you dealing with behaviors during the lesson, but you're dealing with behaviors during the transition too. So I did the same, and it happens to me every year. Every year around this time, you know, late October, early November, I have to go in on a Saturday, and I got to clean up my act. I got to get the room reorganized. I got to get my game face on. And so this week I made a commitment and last week, at the end of last week and beginning of this week, I had made a commitment. I'm, I'm getting to work at 7. I don't have to be there until 8.15. I'm getting there at 7. That's what I always used to do. I was the first one in the parking lot. I used to race the principal there. And then I was prepared for the day. Like, it's just part of the job. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I'm, I, I, my contract says 8.15 to, you know, 3.20. But that's just because that's when kids show up and when you got to have staff meetings. You're a salaried employee. You, it, the work never ends. Like you gotta find a way to get it done. And eight fifteen to three o'clock is not enough time. It's not enough time if you're an elementary school teacher. Not a chance. And so I've been showing up at seven. My days have been so much better, you guys. The kids are so much happier. Like I'm more prepared. I feel more confident. That you know, it's just it's just been so much better. And so. I just keep texting my homeboy. Every time I leave, I'm like, rolling, rolling, rolling every day. Hey, I'm rolling, dude. Hey, what's up? Because I've been asking him to call me. I, I, I was like, okay, dude, hey, we're going to, like, let's get up together, man. Let's get up together and, and talk to me because my radio's locked out. I took the, the negative terminal off my battery for too long the other day, and I put it back on, and then I've got the safety code on my Honda Accord that you have to punch into the radio, but I can't find the code. Uh, it's an anti-theft thing. I'm like, come on, man. So you, you know, that way you can talk to me on the road, cause that's what we used to do. We talk all the time. Well, I'm texting him, texting him. 
isn't he getting to school earlier now? He told me that a couple of days ago. And then, then it was uh, yesterday. He tells me he actually woke up and got a workout in and then went to school. Now, nothing changed other than the fact that I started being a positive influence. Right? I stopped telling him what to do. I just started living my own life. I started doing the right thing. And then that light shined into the darkness. And that's what I loved about this, this philosopher. He's like, light overpowers darkness. End of story. And that's what happened. And so now all of a sudden he, he, he's getting his shit back together. Now, I don't know what's going to happen right next week. Who knows? But the point is, instead of being a stumbling block, I got to be a source of, of power. And that feels so much better so much better than the fucking crippling guilt. Look, the crippling guilt I feel about my aunt, about my homeboy, my old homeboy. You just don't, you know, your brother, your family, like whoever, like the people in your life that you know that that are not doing the right thing. And then you, you take part in that too. And so I put a little thing in the Bible the other day. It was, uh, Paul's been writing this to the Romans. It's uh, Romans chapter 14 and uh, verse 13. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. For if because of food your brother is hurt, you are no longer walking according to love. Do not destroy with your food him for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let what is for you a good thing be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who in this way serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Do not tear down the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are clean, but they are evil for the man who eats and gives offense. It is not good to eat meat or to drink wine or to do anything by which your brother stumbles. The faith which you have, have as your own conviction before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats, because his eating is not from faith, and whatever is not from faith is sin." And it it continues on, man. It keeps ripping. Now we who are strong ought to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not just please ourselves. Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good, to his edification. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So I'm going to go back to this one verse here uh, at the beginning of this little passage I read. Um, I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself. But to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. And that pretty much sums it up, right? Like, we've all decided that we have a problem with dope. And that makes dope a problem. I appreciate you guys sharing this time with me. I'm, 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 
I'm praying that I can go upstairs and my wife's not too spun up from my outburst. Uh, I'm praying that I can go upstairs and get some sleep because sometimes if you take melatonin and then you ride it out, um, you end up not sleeping at all, right? So I do have another appointment coming down the pipe eventually. Hopefully I finally called them today because they did not call me with another sleep clinic. Hopefully it can get proved that I do have sleep apnea instead of 4.8 apnea episodes per hour. Maybe I can get the the magic number five so that maybe I can get a CPAP or something. I think that's going to be a game changer for me, but um, let's, let's, let's kind of wind down here. If you think you are too small to make a difference, try sleeping with a mosquito. And that was the Dalai Lama. And our Bible verse of the day, Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Remember to find satisfaction in the struggle and peace in the moment. We'll see you next time. Thank you.